as you may be able to tell, I have my uh, lovely uh, daughters here with me. And uh, Eliana has on her own uh, chosen to memorize a chapter in the Bible and um, wanted to recite it for the saints. And uh, that's the uh, special treat that I promised you uh, this morning. If you would like to follow her recitation, uh, it's found in uh, Acts uh, chapter 7. And by way of uh, introduction, uh, you could look at chapter 6, where we see in verse 8 that uh, Stephen uh, was full of faith and power and did great wonders and signs among the people. He was uh, one of the first deacons of the church. Uh, but uh, his uh, gospel message wasn't being appreciated. And so we find in verse 12 that uh, some steered up the people, the elders and the scribes, and they came upon him, seized him, and brought him to the council. They also set up false witnesses who said, this man does not cease to speak blasphemous words against, against this holy place and the law. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and change the customs which Moses delivered to us. And all who sat in the council looking steadfastly at him saw his face as the face of an angel. So this is a scene of, uh, of a courtroom and uh, Stephen is uh, given an opportunity to speak for himself and defend himself uh, in the accusation that was brought against him. So Eliana will recite uh, Acts chapter 7, which was uh, Stephen's response uh, to this accusation, his, his uh, testimony. So without further ado, Eliana. Then the high priest said, are these things so? And he said, brethren and fathers, listen, the God of glory appeared to our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia before he dwelt in Haran and said to him, get out of your country and firm your relatives and come to a land that I will show you. Then he came out of the land of the Chaldeans and dwelt in Haran. And from there, when his father was dead, he moved him to this land in which you now dwell. And God gave him no inheritance in it, not even enough to set his foot on. But even when Abraham had no child, he promised to give it to him for possession and to his descendants after him. But God spoke in this way that his descendants would dwell in a foreign land and that they would bring them into bondage and oppress them 400 years. And the nation to whom they will be in bondage, I will judge, said God. And after that, they shall come out and serve me in this place. Then he gave him the covenant of circumcision. And so Abraham begot Isaac and circumcised him on the eighth day. And Isaac begot Jacob and Jacob begot the 12 patriarchs. And the patriarchs, becoming envious, sold Joseph into Egypt. But God was with him and delivered him out of all his troubles and gave him favor and wisdom in the presence of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And he made him governor over Egypt and all his house. Now a famine and great trouble came over all the land of Egypt and Canaan, and our fathers found no sustenance. But when Jacob heard that there was grain in Egypt, he sent out our fathers first. And the second time Joseph was made known to his brothers, and Joseph's family became known to the Pharaoh. Then Joseph sent and called his father Jacob and all his relatives to him, 75 people. So Jacob went down to Egypt, and he died, 
he and our fathers. And they were carried back to Shechem and laid in the tomb that Abraham bought for a sum of money from the sons of Hamor, the father of Shechem. But when the time of the promise drew near which God had sworn to Abraham, the people grew and multiplied in Egypt, till another king arose who did not know Joseph. This man dealt treacherously with our people and oppressed our forefathers, making them expose their babies so that they might not live. At this time, Moses was born and was well-pleasing to God, and he was brought up in his father's house for three months. But when he was set out, Pharaoh's daughter took him away and brought him up as her own son. And Moses was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was mighty in words and deeds. Now when he was forty years old, it came into his heart to visit his brethren, the children of Israel. And seeing one of them suffer wrong, he defended and avenged him who was oppressed and struck down the Egyptian. For he supposed that his brethren would have understood that God would deliver them by his hand, but they did not understand. And the next day he appeared to two of them as they were fighting and tried to reconcile them, saying, Men, you are brethren, why do you wrong one another? But he who did his neighbor wrong pushed him away, saying, Who made you a ruler and a judge over us? Do you want to kill me as you did the Egyptian yesterday? Then, at this saying, Moses fled and became a dweller in the land of Midian, where he had two sons. And when forty years had passed, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire in a bush in the wilderness of Mount Sinai. When Moses saw it, he marveled at the sight, and as he drew near to observe, the voice of the Lord came to him, saying, I am the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses trembled and dared not look. Then the Lord said to him, Take your sandals off your feet, for the place where you stand is holy ground. I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt. I have heard their groaning and have come down to deliver them. And now come, I will send you to Egypt. This Moses, whom they rejected, saying, Who made you a ruler and a judge? is the one God sent to be a ruler and a deliverer by the hand of the angel who appeared to him in the bush. He brought them out after he had shown wonders and signs in the land of Egypt and in the Red Sea and in the wilderness forty years. This is that Moses who said to the children of Israel, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brethren. Him you shall hear. This is he who was in the congregation in the wilderness with the angel who spoke to him on Mount Sinai and with our fathers, the one who received the living oracles to give to us whom our fathers would not obey, but rejected, and in their hearts they turned back to Egypt, saying to Aaron, Make us gods to go before us. As for this Moses, who brought us out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. And they made a calf in those days, offered sacrifices to the idol, and rejoiced in the works of their own hands. Then God turned and gave them up to worship the host of heaven, as it is written in the book of the prophets, Did you offer me slaughtered animals and sacrifices during forty years in the wilderness, O house of Israel? You also took up the tabernacle of Moloch and the star of your god Remphan, images which you made to worship, and I will carry you away beyond Babylon. Our fathers had the tabernacle of witness in the wilderness, as he appointed, instructing Moses to make it according to the pattern that he had seen, which our fathers, having received it in turn, also brought with Joshua into the land possessed by the Gentiles, whom God drove out before the face of our fathers until the days of David, who found favor before God and asked to find a dwelling for the God of Jacob, but Solomon built him a house. However, the Most High does not dwell in temples made with hands, as the prophet says, Heaven is my throne and earth is my footstool. What house will you build for me, says the Lord, or what is the place of my rest? Has my hand not made all these things? You stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit, as your fathers did, so do you. Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who foretold the coming of the just one, of whom you now have become the betrayers and murderers, who have received the law by the direction of angels and have not kept it. When they heard these things, they were cut to the heart, and they gnashed at him with their teeth. 
But he, being full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God and said, Look, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Then they cried out with a loud voice, stopped their ears and ran at him with one accord. And they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul. And they stoned Stephen as he was calling on God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he knelt down and cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not charge them with this sin. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Book of Matthew. All right, uh, let me uh, first open in a word of prayer. Father, thank you for the opportunity to hearing your word uh, recited. We thank you for the power of the gospel and how it was changing lives then, uh, indeed resulting in persecution of those who preached your word, but we know, Lord, ultimately it is because that is the great battle for souls. Uh, as you are seeking to draw people to yourself, there is an enemy who is seeking to turn them away from you. So we pray that uh, in our day too, we will be faithful in preaching that same gospel, though it might result in persecution today, at least that it might also draw people to you and we could see them saved. We pray for help uh, for me as I bring forth uh, your word uh, that you might apply uh, to the heart of the saints, to their encouragement and building up in their most holy faith. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me uh, start the message, if I may, with a question. And that question is, who do you follow? Who do you follow? Uh, I am not a uh, social media expert. Those of you who may know what uh, social uh, media is, that's kind of a new, relatively new term. Uh, probably one of the first major platforms that came out for social media was uh, Facebook, where you can post uh, your pictures and little cute stories that happen to you, and it's a way of sharing your lives with other people who choose to become your friends, and they can see all these pictures you're posting and the little messages you have. Uh, there is another one that is called uh, Twitter. I think most of you have heard of Twitter. So like I said, I'm not an expert in these things. I don't even have a Twitter account. But uh, my understanding is Twitter is kind of similar where you could post something, uh, usually just a short message, like a sentence or two, and uh, people have a chance to follow that. So let's say I had a Twitter account. Uh, you could join Twitter, and you could say, I want to follow Noah. And that means whenever I post something to Twitter, that would show up on your page, and you'll be able to read it. And uh, so Twitter actually allows us to find out who people are following. I ask you the question, who do you follow? And you may or may not have a Twitter account, uh, but uh, if you had a Twitter account, you could find out how many people were following you, and people could find out who you were following. And uh, so I thought it might be interesting to just uh, get the top 10 list of, um, of Twitter accounts. So these are the people who are being followed the most. I'll start with number 10. 
<coughs> and I have to confess, I don't actually know all these people, but some of them might be, some of them I do know, and it might be interesting. Uh, so number 10 is a, a lady called Ariana Grande. Uh, she's a musician and an actress, and she has 76 million followers. 76 million people want to know what she says. So when she like tweets something like, oh, you know, check out my latest CD, uh, then, then yes, 76 million people immediately uh, will get that message. And anything else, she might say, hey, everybody, uh, you should go vote for uh, Trump, or you should go vote for uh, whoever she thinks you should vote for, and, uh, and you'll get that message, right? So you'd be one of her followers. Now, you don't have to do what she says, but still, she's a person you, you felt is important enough you wanted to follow, and so probably you'll consider seriously anything she suggests. Okay, number nine is uh, Ellen. She's a comedian and a television personality. Uh, number eight is Lady Gaga, a musician with 82 million followers. At number seven is Donald Trump. So actually, our president has a Twitter account, and he has... 85 million followers. Next is uh, Taylor Swift, another musician. Number five is Cristiano Ronaldo. Some of you may know him. He's a soccer player. <laughs> so apparently if you're good enough in soccer, uh, you'll have 87 million people who follow you and want to know what you think. Next is uh, Rihanna or Rihanna. <clears throat> with 98 million followers. She's also a musician, and it says here that she's also a businesswoman. I don't know what kind of business she has. Uh, in number three is uh, Katy Perry, with Katy Perry. Katy Perry, my daughter is here to correct me. Uh, with 108 million followers, she's a musician. In, number in, in place number two is Justin Bieber. Also a musician, for those of you who don't know. I, I saw him uh, some years ago on like a kid's program, but apparently he became quite popular with 112 followers now. And in number one, you may or may not have guessed it, is Barack Obama, our previous president with 121 million followers. Okay, who do you follow? I don't know. You know, <clears throat> but here's, a, here's among the people that have the most followers, at least on Twitter. With that thought in mind of who do you follow, let's read Matthew chapter 12. I'm going to raise this up a level. I think it'll be a little bit easier for me. Matthew chapter 12. We're starting a new chapter, so verse one, at that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath, and his disciples were hungry and began to pluck heads of grain and to eat. And when the Pharisees saw it, they said to him, look, your disciples are doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath. But he said to them, have you not read what David did when he was hungry, he and those who were with him? how he entered the house of God and ate the showbread, which was not lawful for him to eat, 
nor for those who were with him, but only for the priests. Or <coughs> have you not read in the law that on the Sabbath the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath and are blameless? Yet I say to you that in this place there is one greater than the temple. But if you had known what this means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the guiltless. For the Son of Man is Lord, even of the Sabbath. Nessia, would you please uh, get me a bottle of water? Thank you. Sorry about that. Uh, okay, <clears throat> who do you follow? Well, in the first verse of this passage, we see that the disciples followed Jesus. It says Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. It's uh, likely from the following passage that uh, someone else will cover that he was walking to a synagogue. So if you remember, Jesus said that uh, foxes have holes and birds of the nests have, uh, sorry, birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man <coughs> has nowhere to lay his head. Uh, that, that was his actual life experience. Jesus was an itinerant preacher, and he moved from place to place, uh, sharing the word of God uh, with people. And uh, his disciples followed him. They would sleep uh, on the cold ground uh, with him. Uh, they shared with the food that he had, which on this particular morning uh, seemed to have ha been nothing. They had nothing to eat or maybe very little to eat, so that on the way to the, uh, to the synagogue, they're uh, having breakfast. <coughs> they're going through a grain field, uh, meaning uh, wheat uh, growing, and uh, they're plucking the heads of grain, and they're picking the, uh, the grains out of them, and they're eating them, as they're walking, you might think, whoa, 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 uh, is this your grain field? How, how is it that uh, you're helping yourself to somebody else's food? Well, this is actually provided for uh, in the law, uh, law of Moses. It says in Deuteronomy 23, uh, 25, when you come into your neighbor's standing grain, as they did, you may pluck the heads with your hand but you shall not use a sickle on your neighbor's standing grain. So <clears throat> you're allowed to help yourself. You're walking in someone else's grain field. You're allowed to eat of it. You just can't use your sickle and take a whole bundle of it home with you, right? Or maybe sell it to your neighbors. No, it's, but you're allowed to eat from it, which is what the disciples were doing, which was perfectly uh, lawful. Uh, for them to do. Uh, why did they do this? Why did the disciples decide to live such a lifestyle where they couldn't depend on a certain meal? And that is because they were following Jesus. They believed that Jesus was the Messiah. Peter says, uh, to whom shall we go? <clears throat> Lord, you have the words of eternal life. So they, they believed by following Jesus. They were following the Messiah. They were uh, heading the way of eternal life. And um, they were learning from him. Jesus was training them. 
to teach others. They were perhaps assisting him in various ways uh, with his ministry uh, and, and building up the kingdom of God. And they were willing, <coughs> in order to be able to, to be part of that, to suffer uh, deprivation, to not, have, not know where the next meal was coming, and perhaps sometime uh, to even be hungry. Okay, that is the disciples, they chose to follow Jesus. Next in the passage, we see the Pharisees in verse 2. And when the Pharisees saw it, they said to him, Look, your disciples are doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath. <clears throat> the disciples were looking for followers. The disciples were looking for followers. Uh, Jesus had this to say of the Pharisees in Matthew 23. He says, but all their works they do to be seen by men. The Pharisees uh, were, uh, appeared extremely religious. If you remember a couple of chapters ago, uh, the disciples of John came to Jesus and said, how come we uh, and we, the disciples of John, and the disciples of the Pharisees fast often, but your disciples do not fast. The, the, the Pharisees fasted often. Um, they are known to have been very meticulous in uh, tithing. They would count the leaves on their uh, <coughs> bushes and give every tenth one uh, to the Lord. So they appeared to be very spiritual, but Jesus says all their works they do to be seen by men. Why were they doing it? Because they wanted people to be impressed with them and how spiritual they were. They made their phylacteries broad and enlarged the borders of their garments. Again, these were clothing that seemed to be of religious significance, trying to follow Moses' specifications on <coughs> the way uh, you were supposed to dress, and they wanted people to see that they were dressed in the correct, uh, most religious type of garment. They love the best places at the feasts and the best seats <coughs> at the synagogues, greetings at the marketplaces, and to be called by men, rabbi, rabbi. They, they loved it when people looked up to them and invited them to parties, uh, gave them the best seat in the synagogue, greeted them, and called them rabbi. Rabbi literally means one who is greater than me, uh, sometimes translated as teacher, right? <clears throat> and that's what they wanted. They wanted followers, perhaps like some of these successful uh, Twitter accounts. What was their problem? Their problem was Jesus. Jesus was becoming uh, more popular than they were. He came. To them, it appeared out of nowhere. Uh, he began to preach and teach at the synagogues. He performed miracles, he healed people, he cast out demons, and um, they, they saw their popularity waning as the popularity of Jesus was increasing. And so in this passage, <coughs> they're saying to Jesus, look, your disciples are doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath. They said this not because they wanted Jesus to correct his disciples' behavior, not because they were concerned spiritually for Jesus' disciples, 
but it was a way to show that Jesus wasn't a good teacher. If Jesus couldn't train his disciples to keep the law, then nobody should be following Jesus. Instead, those people who were following Jesus should come and follow the Pharisees, who are the more spiritual, uh, better qualified teachers in their own opinion, right? That's what the Pharisees were, were thinking, and that's what, why they tried to expose uh, Jesus. Now, uh, their uh, concerns regarding the Sabbath would be based perhaps on uh, verses such as Exodus 20. <clears throat> it says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But on the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work, you nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male servant, nor your female servant, nor your cattle, nor your stranger is within your gates, for in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. So they were right that the Sabbath was a very special day, and God did not want people to do work on the Sabbath. Were they correct in applying it to Jesus' disciples who on the Sabbath day on their way to serving God in a synagogue, were plucking heads of grain and eating it as they were going. And uh, so that's the question that, in a sense, Jesus will be answering in the next few verses. And uh, maybe to just step back and to see the overview of it, Jesus really here is exposing the fact that the Pharisees don't have as good of an understanding of the Old Testament or the Bible as they had it at the time as they thought they did and as they were trying to portray themselves. Uh, first, he says, but he said to them, have you not read, right? I mean, here are the experts, right, of the, of the, of the scriptures, and Jesus is saying, did you read? <laughs> have you read it? Have you not read what David did when he was hungry, he and those who were with him, how he entered the house of God and ate the showbread, which was not lawful for him to eat, nor for those who were with him, but only for the priests. <clears throat> so here is clearly a case where uh, someone, King David, in fact, uh, before he became king, uh, at least before he was crowned by the people, he was already anointed uh, to be the next king, but he was fleeing from Saul. Saul was persecuting David. David escaped with the clothes on his back and with some friends who were willing to follow him uh, into exile, but they had no food. And as they arrived at the tabernacle, uh, David begged for food. And uh, the only thing that was available was the showbread. The showbread was a bread that uh, was to be placed on the table inside of the tabernacle. It was supposed to <coughs> represent God's provision for the people of Israel. And every day that bread was to be replaced with a new loaf, and the old loaf will go to the priests. The priests were allowed to eat the bread that came uh, out, of that, out of the tabernacle. Nobody else was supposed to. But uh, the, the high priest at the time had compassion upon David 
and, uh, and the men with him. And so he gave them that bread. And what uh, Jesus points out is that really demonstrates the character of God. In verse 7, he, he says to the Pharisees, but if you had known what this means, and then he quotes the verse, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the guiltless. God is merciful toward people. God did not condemn David and his men. Uh, he, he pitied them in their state. And he, he had no problem with them eating the bread that technically was reserved just for the priests because God had pity. Well, where are the Pharisees? Here are some hungry people on the way to serve God, and the Pharisees are having no pity. Don't you see what your disciples are doing? They're working on the Sabbath. Right? They were eating. They were feeding themselves. They were hungry. And so the Pharisees did not reflect the heart of God in how they were dealing with the disciples. And Jesus is exposing that that they really are they're out of step uh, with God. Then he continues to another story in verse 5, <clears throat> or another part of the scripture, Oh, have you not read in the law? Now Jesus says in the law because this passage is found in the uh, Pentateuch, the parts of the law of Moses that are regarded as his law to the nation of Israel. So really, what the Pharisees would have considered the most important part. This is really where they ought to be experts, right? These people who want followers and claim to be super spiritual. Uh, Jesus is saying, have you not read in the law, in that section you think is the most important, that on the Sabbath, the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath and are blameless. What is Jesus saying? You know, there's clear examples in the law of Moses of where the law of the Sabbath does not apply. Not everybody has to stop working on the Sabbath based on the law of God. And the exemption is that if you have a service you're doing for God. So in the temple, the priests were serving God. They had to offer sacrifices to worship God. They had to offer sacrifice of people who sinned and needed their sins forgiven or covered, and they would come. The, the priests had to serve them. The work of God did not stop on the Sabbath, right? And so here the disciples, well, they're clearly involved in the, word of, in the work of God. Why? Because they're serving Jesus as Jesus is going and ministering at the synagogue. And Jesus goes beyond, and he says, yet I say to you, in this place, there is one greater than the temple. So first, <coughs> Jesus showed who you should not follow. You should not follow the Pharisees. I understand there's no Pharisees around today, so we don't really have to worry about that so much, <coughs> because they disqualify themselves. They show that they don't really understand God's heart, and they don't really know God's word. And so it would be a, a serious mistake to follow them. Right? They are not going to lead you in the right way. Jesus will say a lot, of, a lot of things about the Pharisees in Matthew chapter 23. The fact they're not entering the kingdom of God themselves, and they're preventing those who would enter the kingdom of God from entering it. So don't follow 
those who are not heading toward God's kingdom, right, would be the message here. Next, Jesus points to himself as the one that people should follow. Uh, the first reason is the one I just read. In this place, there is one greater than the temple. Jesus was greater than the temple. And I would add that he is greater than the temple in at least two different ways. <clears throat> first, in his essence. Right? The temple was a building in which God ideally would dwell. And that's the greatness of the temple. Is God, if everything was done right, then God's presence would be in the holy of holy place in the temple. What about Jesus? John 1 tells us, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. The temple was a building in which God dwelt. Jesus is God in the flesh. And so, a good reason to follow him. Next, Jesus is greater than the temple in his provision. The temple was important because it provided for the nation of Israel a way of approaching God. They were a sinful people, and not just they, everyone, everybody is our sinners, approaching a holy God, and that's a problem because a holy God does not accept the presence of a sinful people unless there is a certain provision, and that's what the temple was. It was a provision for people to approach God. Through the sacrifices that were being offered, sinners could approach God. Now, we're told clearly in the scripture that it was a picture. The temple was really a picture of what God was eventually going to do through the Lord Jesus. The blood of bulls and goats can never take away sin. It just provided a temporary covering for sin, right? Because it couldn't. But the blood of the Lord Jesus is able to pay for our sins, right? The, the wages of sin is death. And it must be the death of a man that dies for the sins of a man. Jesus came as a man to die for the sins of mankind. And by virtue of being God, he could pay for the sins of all of mankind. And by rising from the dead, he proved that he completed that work. Our sins are fully paid for. There is a way, there is an access into the throne of God in heaven through the Lord Jesus. So Jesus is greater than the temple in his essence, and he is greater than the temple in his provision. Both are good reasons to follow Jesus. <clears throat> then Jesus adds in the final verse of the passage, for the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. What does it mean that Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath? Uh, first of all, it means that... Uh, he is the one whose authority establishes it. There was no law of keeping the Sabbath, right, until Jesus made that law, right, until God made that law. The only reason there is a law of the Sabbath is because God commanded us to. So he is uh, the Lord of the Sabbath. So if you want to follow the rules, 
follow the one who makes the rules, right? You can't go wrong if you follow the one who makes the rules, and that's the Lord Jesus. <clears throat> and second, you, you could say he's Lord of the Sabbath because it was made for him, right? So what was the Sabbath made for? Well, it was made in order to remember God's act of creation and, uh, and to worship God. That's the purpose of the Sabbath. Well, we're told in Colossians 1 that he, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have their preeminence. So the Sabbath was really established for appreciating Jesus. Right? What it is that Jesus did for us. So he is the Lord of the Sabbath and so deserves our following him, our worshiping really of him. <clears throat> okay, just to close with an application. I started with the question, who do you follow? And I'll finish with the question of who will you follow? Uh, I confess that I don't like being thinking of myself as a follower, right? We, uh, you know, we're taught that we should be independent, right? We should lead. We should, you know, have maybe other people follow us, right? I mean, that's, uh, you know, all these things you need for your resume. You have to write down all your leadership skills, right? Uh, people don't, don't, you know, the position of following sounds like a weak position compared to leading, right? That seems like the strong position. The problem is, you know, is that we are followers by nature, right? And uh, even if you're not on Twitter, uh, you're a follower. And really your choices are, who will you follow? Uh, we are told in Ephesians chapter 2, <coughs> that uh, we all uh, once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath. This describes the natural human state. We follow the world, right? The world uh, is a system that really Satan created to make us think that we're, we're, we can be happy without God, right? That's the, that's the world uh, system, and we're all following it. We're all following the world, and uh, it's energized by really the desires of the flesh, right? The world is offering me something that feels good to my body, and so I'll do it, right? Because it makes me happy, right? But uh, the, the reality is 
I'm still following uh, the world. It might be uh, trying to, to have uh, certain friends. I might want to be in a, in a social circle among others uh, that will accept me. And so I will conform my actions to fit with the people that I want to please. Uh, it might be that I want to uh, succeed in school or in a career, and so I will do whatever it takes to be successful uh, in that area. I'm really following the world. If I'm letting these forces of the world uh, control me, uh, that makes me a follower of the world. Now, uh, Jesus came to save us from that. We're told, continuing in Ephesians 2, but God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. Before we were dead in our sins and trespasses, we were separated from God in following the world under the guidance of, of the devil and to satisfy the lust of the flesh. <clears throat> now Jesus saved us out of that and, and brought us into a relationship with God where we can follow God instead of following the, the world. So that is really a choice we have as believers. Before you're saved, you don't really have a choice other than turning from your sins and receiving God's free offer of salvation. Right? But as believers, we really have this uh, daily struggle uh, described for us in Romans chapter 12. We're told not to be conformed to this world, but to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So this world is still trying to control me, even as a believer. Right Now, it doesn't control me in the same way it did beforehand, but really I had no choice other than turning away and trusting in Christ as my Savior. <clears throat> now I have this daily choice, and, and I'm, I'm told that really I need to renew my mind. That is a daily uh, process. How do we do that? How can we <clears throat> renew our mind? And uh, the key is perhaps what uh, Twitter came up with, right? So Twitter uh, will feed me if I have my Twitter apps. I will have a list of people that I'm following. I told Twitter I'm following. And, uh, and every day I will get these tweets. I will get these short messages from the people that I think have their act together and I should be following. Uh, and, and that's, you know, part of what will direct my daily thoughts and maybe actions. Well, we need to be followers of Jesus. We need to be getting his tweets every day and maybe all day long. And uh, I think the key for that is in Psalm uh, chapter 1, it says, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, right? Say no to all those tweets, no stands in the path of sinners, not for those either, no sits in the seat of the scornful. I don't want to listen to that. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. So we have the word of God accessible to us. And I know the truth of it for myself. If I am to live a life 
that is following Jesus, I need a constant uh, input or take-in of the Word of God. I will spend uh, some time in the morning reading God's Word and, and speaking to Him in prayer. And uh, I will listen to, uh, to His Word, or it might be a biography or, or something that contains God's Word and thoughts as I commute to work uh, and commute back. Uh, I will uh, recite his word, perhaps, as I am taking a walk uh, during the day. And it's these things that are critical uh, if I am to be practically following Jesus in my life. I cannot do it by myself. It's not that you're saved once and you know, the Christian life uh, following Jesus is easy. You, you will continue to be bombarded by the world. You'll keep getting those tweets, whether you like them or not, of all these things that the world thinks you should be doing. And really the key to renewing your mind and following Jesus is you have to filter those out and make sure you're getting the right kind of tweets uh, into your life. Let's... Uh, Close in prayer, and I uh, picked a, a hymn that uh, we could be singing or listen to uh, after I close. Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. We thank you for the Lord Jesus and his love for us. We thank you that he saved us from being in a state of being enslaved, really, to this world and brought us into a place where we can follow you. And uh, we pray. We, we know it's our battle each and every day to be following you and not uh, the things that the world wants us to do. So we just ask for that special help for each and every one of us. Keep us in your word, Lord, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.